welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Tool, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we are joined by Rebecca Liebman, who is the CEO and co-founder of LearnLux. LearnLux is the leading provider of workplace financial well-being that blends digital planning with access to one-on-one guidance from certified financial planning professionals. As the CEO of LearnLux, Rebecca is on a mission to make financial well-being accessible in the workplace. Since the company's launch in 2015, Rebecca has helped grow the company from a startup to an established company serving clients that span across a variety of industries, Fortune 500 companies, and global enterprises. Prior to starting LearnLux, Rebecca was a communication specialist at MIT, studied microfinance in Kenya, and completed environmental research in Germany, France, Belgium, and Luxembourg. These experiences inspired her to launch LearnLux in order to help more people navigate their finances. Rebecca is passionate about working with people to create a better world through the power of technology and has worked with numerous startups, helping them grow from the ground level. In addition, Rebecca has held many advisory board roles, including with HubSpot and Nantucket Conference. She has also been honored with accolades such as the Forbes 30 Under 30, Boston Business Journal's 40 Under 40, and 2020 Fast Company World Changing Ideas Awards. So as you can see, Rebecca's got quite the resume. Um, She was such a fun guest, and this is an incredibly important topic. Um, Don't know that all companies um, put the kind of emphasis on helping improve their employees' financial well-being. So that is obviously the topic that we discussed today. Um, I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. If you are loving our guests and our episodes, please do us a huge favor. Head out to your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. Those rating and reviews really help ensure that our podcast episodes are getting into the hands of other HR professionals and business owners. And as always, thank you so much for being a a listener of the What the HR podcast and enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Rebecca, welcome to the What the HR podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah. Um, So before we jump into our content for today, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about you and Learn Lux. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I am Rebecca Liebman. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO at Learn Lux. We are a workplace financial well-being company. So we help every employee get access to a financial plan through Learn Lux. And Really, we started the company because we saw so many sides of the financial system and how it didn't matter where you were working or how much money you were making. There was so much stress around money. I was working at a lab at MIT with 10 PhDs and no one could figure out how to open a retirement account. And we just thought, how is it that finance is so opaque in our country and people don't know where to go and don't know who to trust? And so ultimately started the company really to democratize access and make sure that anyone could have a financial plan, no matter their income level, no matter their asset level. And that is exactly what we do today. Yeah. Um, Some people may not know, and they'll learn through our time today that 
you oftentimes can't get access to a financial uh, planner unless your portfolio is usually a minimum of like a million dollars. So um, I just want to kick this off by saying I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with, you know, the Learn Luck services that you guys are offering. And I'm really excited to share this with our listeners today because I really think this could be an incredible like added value to a total rewards package for um you know a lot of companies to really help fill a gap that i don't know a lot of companies put a lot of energy into these days or ever <laughs> absolutely financial stress has been a burden for employees forever but i think covid really magnified that no one had a financial plan everyone was financially vulnerable there were so many big things that happened over the last few years that really put financial well-being in the forefront and made it a table stakes benefit. And so excited to share more about what we're seeing happening in the industry. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you feel it's beneficial for companies to invest in financial services for their employees? Employees' biggest stress is money and they carry that burden with them every single day. And most people have a massive financial decision weighing on them that they're not necessarily telling you, you know, as a colleague or they're not sharing with their boss, but a lot of people are straddled with debt, whether it's credit card debt or student debt or medical debt. A lot of people are supporting their families, their kids, their parents financially in some capacity. There's just so many financial decisions that people have to make on a day-to-day basis. And there really has not been a good way to get information that is completely unbiased or get your questions answered without handing over a million dollars. And so this really allows everyone to get access. And that really changes the game for who can be financially well and how people can focus at work. And so when you're burdened by all of these things, maybe you can't, maybe your car broke down and you're, you know, can't get to work because you're trying to, trying to pay off that debt, you know, Having a financial well-being program really allows people to focus on their work and making sure that they're being seen as a full person, as a whole employee in their workforce. And so on top of just helping people with their day-to-day finances and big financial decisions, this is something that can really help an HR team scale their own job. And so when you think about the benefits that you get from your company, so many of those benefits have a massive financial impact on your life. I mean, first of all, your paycheck, of course, but then you have retirement. Maybe you have an equity plan, healthcare, insurance. All of these big financial decisions that you're making for yourself and your family are tied to your workplace. And so having your company help you understand all of those benefits, the economic value of those benefits and how to optimize them is really core to having the right plan in place. And so it really makes sense to be distributed through the workplace. You, in, when answering that question, you talked a little bit about some of the examples that provides financial stress to an employee. Do you have any um, statistics or any kind of additional information that you can provide to our listeners on how um, engagement, you know, of an employee base can be negatively impacted when their financial well-being is not, um, thriving. It's just kind of surviving, if you will. Uh, yes. And what's really interesting, there is an article that just came out today in a major business outlet. And it was, you know, in the New York Times and picked up by many other outlets. 
And it said that a third of employees making $250,000 or more are living paycheck to paycheck. How crazy is that? Mm -hmm. Uh, In the last week, there was a study showing that inflation is the number one stressor across Americans right now. Everything is tied to financial decisions and to money. Uh, And so really, we've seen that across the board, people are stressed and we've we've released a report that um, people can find on learnlux.com around the past year of what employees are most stressed about. As you might expect with COVID, so many things were more stressful than, than previous years. But one of the biggest things was unexpected expenses. People might have had an unexpected healthcare expense or an unexpected childcare expense, or maybe them or their partner was out of work. Um, and so there were really big financial stressors over the last few years that just were compounding on top of each other. Um, but I would say the really one of the really interesting stats with all of that is that it doesn't matter how much money you make, everyone has some type of financial question or burden, you know, whether it's paying taxes on their stock options for the first time or whether it's paying off forty thousand dollars of credit card debt. It's interesting you said that article because I think I just saw it like two hours ago. Um, it popped up on my phone and it made me think that financial literacy is just a tough thing to acquire. So, and even the term financial well-being, like as we talk about this with companies and say, hey, it's really important, like what specifically does it even mean? And, and I, I know it's broad, but look at somebody making 250000 living paycheck to paycheck. There's probably multiple reasons why that's happening. So like what, what specifically, and I don't know if it's specific to learn locks or just your general knowledge, like how is it that we can help people within our workforce regarding financial well, wellness? Like what specifically does it mean? Yeah. The term financial well-being has been thrown around so much over the last few years. And really how we define it is, are you confident in your financial present and future? Are you feeling good about your finances right now and confident about your plan for the future? That's kind of the simplest form of the term. And so then when you you come in a little bit more to that phrase, it's all about making sure that we have a plan. What happens for most people is something unexpected happens and there wasn't a plan. There wasn't emergency savings. There wasn't retirement. When we have the ability many times to try and put a place, a plan in place ahead of time. Now, you know, I think really what's been missing in our world and in our language and in our conversation is that money is still this massive taboo. And many people have a lot of shame in talking about money. And I think that's why we can see a headline that says something the way that we're talking. You can make six figures and still be living paycheck to paycheck. That's because there is so much shame in talking about money that it doesn't matter how much money you make. People aren't sure the questions to ask. They're not sure where to go. They don't know who to trust. And so again, giving people access, making this something that's equitable, that you can get access no matter where you are in your life and what scenario you are working towards is incredibly important. There are so many people coming from all different lifestyles, all different cultures, all different families who've just never talked about money or never talked about money in enough detail that they know how to 
break down a budget or understand cash flow mm-hmm. and just get the basics in order, which then sets you up for this spiral of stress again to make all these other big decisions. And what I find many times when I hear people's stories is it's not always one big thing. Sometimes it's one big thing that happened. For many people, it's these little things that add up. You know, they were doing a kitchen renovation, they were paying for childcare, and this all this debt just started to rack up and it became overwhelming. And 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 people go, where do I go from here now? And that's when there's just it's a really hard conversation for them to bring up with anyone. Most professionals in the space, again, won't work with you if you don't have a couple million dollars in assets. And so, and so where are you getting help? Um, and that's really where a solution like this comes in. Again, just having access to talk to someone or work through different scenarios and have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's an opportunity within companies to leverage certain like career moments to have these discussions as well. I mean, it should be ongoing, but I think about the six figure and I think what potentially happens is people get promoted or they start making more and they maybe assume it's more than what it actually is. And so they go out and they spend a lot. So um, just kind of me thinking out loud, but I I wonder within companies and maybe this is something you've seen customers do, but um, leveraging those career moments for learning moments. So, you know, promotions come about, do they sit down and explain what it means to go from making 60 to 200,000 or, you know, like, do you see that level of education with, with, with customers? I think companies really do want to help their employees with big questions like that. And there's a term for what you're talking about. It's called lifestyle creep. And it happens to so Mm -hmm. many people. They're living on a certain budget. They get a raise, they get a promotion or a new job. And all of a sudden they go, I can spend more on everything. Mm -hmm. And it really breaks people's budgets because maybe they're not realizing the impact of taxes on that new salary, or maybe they're not realizing that they're actually driving a little bit farther to the office or have a different healthcare plan. And so there's all these other decisions that actually um, should be talked about and thought about even at every incremental moment, if you're making a new amount of money or starting a new job. And so that is um, a large part of the program is understanding what you actually take home is very different than the number on your offer letter. And we build a lot of tools around what we call these, these hard, these, these areas full of friction in finance and taxes is one of them. We build a lot of tools to help people understand taxes and tax planning and, you know, it impacts so much of your plan. And so how do we make sure that you can visualize that you're not really taking home the number on your offer letter, you're taking home a different amount and let's make sure we're planning from that number. On that topic, um, could you share maybe other examples of some popular kind of financial scenarios that you tend to hear from people? Like, for example, to piggyback off of Mike's point, I think um, starting a family or adding to your family, you know, scenarios like that, that you're like, holy cow, like it it was fine with one, but now I added a second and I'm like barely making ends meet because daycare is like a second mortgage payment. When sometimes you're, you go to the doctor and they say, you know, don't be embarrassed. I've seen everything. That's kind of how I feel. We have seen every financial situation you can imagine the good, the bad, the ugly, the uglier. Um, and again, there shouldn't be shame around this. Everything 
that we help people with, we are making sure that people know it's amazing that they're taking the first step and working towards their goal. Um, but for a lot of people, again, it's become just this spiral effect. And so, um, you know, I've seen everything from, uh, people just having, choosing really great career paths, but getting into massive amounts of student debt that are really, really hard to even understand how you can ever pay off. Again, these six figure amounts of student debt it almost seems it's, it just seems hard to imagine how they're going to do that. And so it becomes debilitating with every other financial decision they want to make. It starts to push back all these other big decisions, maybe like home ownership um, or saving for retirement even. And so, you know, everything from that to people working at a company that just went public or a, a public company that where the stock is changing and they want to understand the impacts of investing or the impacts of taxes on their investments. And that could change their financial picture so much year to year. So really everything you can imagine, um, people sending their kids to school for the first time and filling out financial aid forms or going back to school as an adult for continuing education, putting estate documents in place, just the list goes on and on. You mentioned child's care, paying for child's care, and especially in certain areas and certain schools, it can be the cost of college. And so these are just all big things that people really want help understanding how to pay for and what's the best order of operations. I would say really where a lot of people find help at LearnLux is making a plan in the right order of operations for when to do, when, when to make a decision or where to allocate their money at a certain time. So many people want to pay off their debt, but they also want to save for retirement. Well, how do we do both and how do we allocate and how do we do this in the right order? Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of what people are working towards overall. So many decisions, but it's really all about what's the order and what do we do first? And then what's the next after that? I think that's the intimidation factor right there. I mean, you just named off like 10 things. There are so many things that go into this. And so where do I start? And I can't pay, I can't have everything. One of the things I was thinking about, and, and maybe you're seeing it more and more, but is we're in that new subscription era where it's like, you look at your bank statement and you're like, I forgot I even, cause it's what, like 499 or something. There are so many things that build up those small things. Have you seen any tools or, or, or maybe you guys offer it like, and there, there are some apps and stuff, but like, has it shifted a little bit towards like managing some of those tri- subscriptions because those can get out of hand, like super fast. That is definitely a part of a holistic financial plan. And we do allow you to look at all of your accounts and credit cards and look at transactional insights and compare what you think you're doing versus what you're actually doing. Um, and so you will recognize some of those things. And you're right. You know, when you think about a holistic financial plan, it is these massive decisions I've been talking about, but it is also looking at the day-to-day money moments and the little things that do just seem little at the time, but maybe do add up and you forget about these 12 new subscriptions. And so again, it's really personalized for each individual. And it's really starting with what do people care about? What's their goal? What are you working towards? And from there, we can optimize a financial plan because people are working towards different goals. And I would never tell someone, you know, don't buy coffee every day if that is what allows you to be your best person and be your best self at your job. 
And so not everyone's, you know, not everyone's goal should be let's eliminate everything that society thinks could be superfluous. It's really about the individual and aligning goals and then working towards what makes them happy. I think something interesting, you know, some people get caught up in this idea of I'm going to save money forever. And, and, you know, it is important that we understand what we're going to need for retirement if, if our generation ever retires. Um, but, you know, what, what are we actually working towards? I remember there was, you know, I wanted to move into an apartment and I called my brother and I said, should I pay this much for an apartment? And he's like, well, what was your goal? Why are you saving money all along? I was like, oh, interesting. You know, it is because that that's what I wanted. And so I think in the process of following these just mainstream phrases that we hear, we actually forget what our goals are and why we're saving money to begin with. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Rebecca, because um, I've seen that occur in my family. I've seen that occur in my personal life where there's so much saving and thoughtfulness that goes into the financial plan that you then have to almost pause. Or in my case, I had to have my financial planner look me in the eyes and say, just start spending your money, you know, because you just, every day is a gift. Um, and a lot of people save, save, save like um, squirrels, you know, for retirement. And then they get to their retirement and they're not healthy or well enough, or maybe they've lost their partner between then and now. So the experiences that they wanted to have with their partner or their children, whatever the case may be, that has shifted. And, and those experiences are, are now happening independently. So what advice, you know, do you give? And, and I'm assuming your services also aid in encouraging people to spend their money while also encouraging, depending on the audience and their needs, um, to save and be thoughtful about their financial decisions as well. Again, this is so personal. And we do tell people, you know, you should have a type of fun budget. You should you know, not necessarily withhold yourself from everything because that is kind of when maybe bad behaviors start to build up and then you splurge on, on something else instead of like rewarding yourself periodically. And so, um, again, it's really holistic. It's really personal. What's, what's really pretty unique about the learn Lux methodology and how we guide people through a plan is it really takes into account pure math, but also behavioral finance. And I think that's really been missing from the space for a long time mathematically, there's a best way to make a financial decision. There are different ways to pay off debt. Mathematically, some are just better than others if you do the math. But behaviorally, there are ways that people will follow a plan and ways that people won't. And again, that's why it's so important that both of those are taken into account and that we're making a plan that makes sense for the human and that it, it is something that they can actually follow and something that they can achieve. Again, if, you know, I, I don't want, I, I think the, the stories I hear and the people who share their experiences with me, a lot of times maybe have tried a different, maybe they've tried something before and it just seemed too overwhelming. It was like, let's save all this money at once. And it's like, you know, that's not where we're going to start. That's way too overwhelming of a goal. How do we start this in micro steps and how do we do something small and achieve that and then move on to the next step? Again, because this is a lifelong journey. This isn't something you're going to do in three seconds or three days or even three months. This is something that is going to follow you forever. And so 
you know, it's important that you put the pieces in place and feel comfortable with it and know that it's going to be kind of a living experience next to you as you go and things will change, life changes. And again, mm-hmm. just important that you have a plan so that when something happens, you can address address it. And I think also what you're getting at is being financially responsible without not living your life. You know, the example that you used of the coffee, like if the coffee brings you a ton of joy and like that is the best ritual um, to start your day, then let's, let's figure out a way for you to financially afford the $4 coffee every day while being, you know, maybe then not going out to lunch every day, you know, as an example. Um, and I like that approach because there are certainly other financial, you know, guidance out there. I won't mention any names specifically that are like, you know, do the bare minimum to pay off every single piece of debt that you have so you can live debt-free as soon as possible. But that means making a ton of sacrifices in your life. And again, I go back to my earlier example of life is short. What if somebody becomes sick and they've just squirreled away all of this money and driven a beater for the last 10 years that, you know, was unsafe with their children in the backseat just so that they could pay off their mortgage and never took a vacation or never had an experience. So um, I really, I like that philosophy when it comes to financial planning. And I'm, I'm curious too, if as part of your services, if you're, I'm assuming that you're taking kind of a holistic picture um, based on the, the individual's current situation and helping them to prioritize. Exactly. This is all about understanding all of your options and prioritizing the order that you want to do this again and what makes sense for you. Um, you know, we should remember that not everyone, not everyone does have every option. A lot of people are in very tough situations. I know we kind of started because this article that just came out today says that almost everyone is having stress in some capacity around money, but There are people who are, you know, really in a lot of debt, might not have the ability to work full time, you know, and there's a lot of people who don't have every option available to them. Again, giving them access to just work through this is really helpful, but many people do have to make compromises and many people do have to restart a budget and just understand what does cash flow truly look like here? What is coming in? What am I spending? Um, and maybe break your budget a few times to get to something that works. So there are so many more possibilities and options out there than most people are aware of. And that's, what's really great about bringing in a financial well-being program. It just gives people more options. Your state might have different programs than what you know exist. Um, your company might have different programs that can help with certain things. And so this is all about prioritizing, again, based on your life, your priorities. And for anyone who is in a financial burden right now, I think it's important to remember that this is a big lifelong experience. And just because you do one thing that you think might be wrong, there's there's likely some way to move forward. There's likely a way to move forward and still continue to build. I mean, I think the very cool part about my job is so many people share their financial stories with me and just the stories I could tell you from all my Uber rides from my drivers. I mean, I can, I can tell you there's so many interesting things happening where people are getting themselves out of massive amounts of debt with just new possibilities that 
weren't even options a few years ago. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And to that point, we have a lot of systems, apps, whatever it may be to like automate a lot of this stuff to kind of remove those decisions. Do you, does your tool offer that? Or do you guys talk a lot about that where it's like kind of set it and forget it? I think about when I first started working like the 401k, right? It's like uh, 6% sounds like a lot. I don't have, you know, like, cause you're not, you're, you're barely making anything. And so it's like, you kind of feel like it's, you do the match or you don't do it at all. Um, and little, little things can add up really quick, whether it's, you know, even doing 1%. So I'm just curious on, you know, within learn locks or just generally speaking, are you educating people on ways to almost set up auto deductions across the board, not just in your retirement, but like in a bunch of different areas, whether that be for portfolio, you know, or I know you can do it for even Bitcoin now, like everything. Yeah. I think the answer always comes back to what makes sense for you. Again, if, if that's the best way that you can plan is to have different auto deductions, then that makes sense. Um, some people like to change different amounts of money. There's ways that people, again, think about this behaviorally, but specifically when it comes to 401k, 401k is pretty interesting because it's an incredibly common employee benefit. And for many people, it does make sense to maximize their contribution. What we saw during the first full year of COVID is that 25% of Americans actually took a hardship withdrawal against their 401k which means that they had to pay the taxes, they got the penalties. Many people were actually over-contributing and they didn't have $1,000 of emergency savings. Again, when that when that big stressor came up, those unexpected expenses, they had to go into their 401k. So really at LearnLux, it is all about looking at your holistic plan and we work you up in micro steps. So based on where you are, if you're in a place where you can be contributing that full um, amount and get your full match, what maybe it's 6%, um, then let's do that. But some people, we might just start at 1%, 2%, 3%, slowly work your way up every year to a higher and higher percentage as you're achieving other goals, as you're paying off different debts, as you're putting money towards other goals. Um, again, so it is personalized. For many people, it does make sense to utilize their 401k. And then it's just all about in what capacity does it make sense so that we're not creating a problem somewhere else down the line. Um, I like the behavioral piece. I hadn't commented on that yet, but it kind of, re- I don't know if either of you are familiar with um, Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, um, but I'm, I just think that that work is really on point. And that's the case with how people also like to handle their financial situations. Like My sister-in-law is obsessed with checking her portfolio. She loves to have control over it. She loves to read about the different stocks. Like it's something that brings her a lot of joy. For me, alternatively, it's a joy sucker. And so like, I know that I have to hold myself accountable to leaning on somebody else to help educate me and make good decisions about my portfolio because of that. So um, I love that you guys have a behavioral piece that not only maybe helps um, draw some self-awareness to maybe like that example that I just provided, but also then providing specific services based on people's tendencies or, or behaviors. Yeah. And to, to kind of sum up what both of you said around, you know, setting and forgetting and then doing, doing whatever makes you feel comfortable, you know, a lot of people who are, let's say, let's say new to the stock market, maybe 
you know, this is their first eight or 10 years um, in, in the market investing. A lot of people grew up in this generation of social media where all you do is check your apps every day, a hundred times a day. And so when you start investing, you might think that that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to check things every day, multiple times a day. And more and more data has shown that that actually results in worse outcomes. Usually it creates emotional trades where you see things changing. And so you make an emotional decision to sell. And so you might end up selling low. And, um, you know, what we found is that we really need to change a lot of mindsets from let's look at this every single minute, or every single day to, okay, what is my strategy? What is my plan? Because likely you need to create a portfolio. And for most of it, you just need to set it and forget it. There's, you can have investments that you play with. You can have investments that you specifically have because you enjoy trading, but you know, there's also a difference doing that than actually creating a portfolio for retirement for long-term growth and long-term wealth. And so I think that's really important to consider also is for so many investors, this is the first time they're seeing markets like this, seeing volatile markets. And it's important that people don't make rash decisions without just saying, okay, well, if I'm actually not taking out this money for 20, 30, 40 years, Maybe I don't need to make a decision this second or look at it every single minute. Mm-hmm. Good point. Before we kind of start wrapping things up, Mike, was there anything else that you had on your mind? No, I was just saying, as you mentioned that, like that's, I learned kind of that the hard way too with the stock market where it's like you put it in for long term and then throw in whether it's a hundred bucks, th- like whatever you can play around with. And that kind of satisfies the game of it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. so I just, I would concur with that, but no, I, I don't have the, actually, I do have one more question for people that actually use learn Lux, Like I, I guess personally, I just want to understand like the experience with the platform, not, you don't have to go through every page and button or whatever, but like in general, if I, you know, I worked for an employer who had it, I jumped on, like, what would I see? Yeah. So most people start with a financial checkup which builds them that financial plan in micro steps. So that's that's a big place where people start and just understand what are their blind spots, what do they need to do. And then there are cash flow and budgeting tools. So again, the ability to look at different accounts, understand what's coming into your household budget, what's going out, and then within that look at different pre and post tax products um, and just model out different scenarios. And then a big part of the LearnLux experience is that one-on-one coaching with certified financial planners. So at LearnLux, we employ CFPs and a CFP is the highest certification in the financial planning space. They can help you with that holistic financial plan or just answer a one-off question. And then there's also this benefits component to LearnLux. And so that's where you can see all of your benefits in one place, your healthcare, your equity, your insurance. And you can make all of your decisions there, learn what you have access to, and learn how it aligns with your financial plan. So those are some of the core pillars of the product. And um, Rebecca, remind me, is it um, predominantly B2B or only B2B, or do you guys do B2C as well? It's all B2B, so it's all through the workplace. And that way, every employee gets access, no matter how much money they make, the employer gives them access. Yep. 
Okay, great. Well, um, help our listeners understand if, you know, they want to connect more with you specifically, you know, our listenership is predominantly HR professionals. So if they want to learn more about the Learn Lux um, tool or resource for their organization and or how to connect with you personally. Absolutely. So I'm Rebecca Liebman on LinkedIn. If you want to connect personally and just send me a message that you uh, heard about us here. And then you can look at learnlux.com. There are so many resources and case studies and buyer's guides and different studies that show how companies and employees are thinking about financial well-being. And so that's always a great resource. And then, of course, LearnLux on LinkedIn or Twitter, any, any social media platform, you can find us there as well. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been really fun. Thank you again for um, being a, a participant, a guest on our podcast. I We haven't talked a lot about this specific topic, so I'm glad that we're talking about it, um, especially to your point, kind of like post-COVID. Um, so thank you again, Rebecca. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsharm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.